There we go. Huh? Go ahead, Kestan. Do your thing. You know how to oh, open it up. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Atlanta Falcon Nation family, what it do, man? We got the Friday Night Madness. Hey, it's your boy, Just K Styles. Stage right. We got Mr. Mad Mike Sports. AKA Mad the Mad Scientist. AKA the Mad Scientist. AKA the Matt Ryan Lover. All right. Uh, but we got uh, one of my, I don't know how I should quite say this. I I'll just say this. He is one of those guys that inspired me to become uh, what we call a content creator slash journalist slash reporter, all, all of that. Aaron Freeman, um, he's the Falcons prophet. That's just call him that, the prophet. All right, all hail to the prophet. Uh, Aaron Freeman, what's good, man? Tell the people what, what's what's good. What you got going on, man? Man, not much, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. I know, Mike, you've been you've been calling me out to have, <laughs> have on the show. It's been like a year now. So mm -hmm. we finally got it done. So, uh, you know, I was, I've been wondering you know, what, what you've been waiting on, but, uh, you know, we're, wow. we're fine here. Whoa, 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 whoa. You calling me out on, <laughs> wow, you started out early. Ding, like, ding, 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 ding. Whoa, this dude, hey, man, you turn on the lights. He just, wow, I got to watch my back now. I see how you do, Eric. All right, uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's all it's it's all good. I love I love a little friendly competition, but man, uh the first question that we have for you, man, is actually how did you get started and why did you choose the path that you chose, man? Um, well, I mean it's a long story, but you know, the short version is like I grew up in Virginia, didn't know any Falcon fans. So, you know, when this thing called the internet came along in the late nineties, you know, I was able to jump online and, and meet a whole bunch of Falcon fans for the first time. And I was like, Oh, this is great. So that kind of inspired me, you know, to, to start a website, formerly Falcfans.com. And then when I got out of school, uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was like, look, this website exists. I can put up some content on this. Maybe this will lead down a path where someone will pay me to, to, to give my football takes. So that kind of started around 2006. Then the podcast started around 2011. Um, and, you know, it's grown from there slowly and steadily. Started making a little bit of money now the last couple of years now that I'm doing the locked on thing. So it, it's nice. You know, it, it took a while to get there, but it's nice to uh, to to get, you know, some, uh, you know, pay for all the hard work I put in over these years. So I, I appreciate um, you know, the Locked On Network for allowing me to do that. And for those folks that aren't familiar with Locked On Falcons, it's five days a week, you know, covering the Falcons every day, you know, every week, all year long. So, you know, if, if, you, if, if you're bored for 30 minutes, you can check out Locked On Falcons. <laughs> you want. Hey, man, we would definitely help you uh, plug that. That's 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 nothing here, man. This, this is real Falcons fans, Falcon content creators, man. Um just really got to get to a point where we're not competing against each other, right? Like, it's it's enough room for everybody out here to be, you know, to do that thing, man. But, uh, 
K Styles, man, I know you got, I know it's something on your mind. What, what, what you got cooking over there? Man, I know them trials and tribulations leading up to this point were crazy. Now, I know for me, like I said, Mike kind of brought me on, so I'm kind of like the new content creator as far as Atlanta Falcons. Um, what were some of the worst uh bumps and hurdles you done went through as far as getting Ooh, that question? Oh, uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> how, how long you guys got? I mean, like, probably, probably the lowest point was maybe like around like 2015, where I was like unemployed and like trying to get a job and looking at all this time I had spent doing this Falcon stuff and having like no money for it at all and then like being like did i just waste the last 10 years of my life doing all this stuff (laughs) you know and fortunately for me like the very next year obviously the falcons were very successful that year in 2016 that's when we first got linked up with locked on and whatnot so it was just one of those things where i just kind of had to persevere through it but that that was a very dark time um at least in, in terms of like my content created creation back in 2015 so you know, it's just one of those things that if you're passionate about it, um, you know, I think you just got to persevere through it. You know, if it, it will definitely weed you out if, if you're not into it after a certain point, if, if you're not, you know, ready to, you know, do it and, and be passionate about it. I like that. Hey, only the strong survive. We say it, it all here. If, and he could say one key word for me is passion. It definitely weeds out. If you're not passionate about this, if you don't really love what you're doing, like for me, man, um, I, I love what I'm doing. So I studied the best um, guys like Matt Carley, um, Aaron Freeman. Um, it's, it's it's so many. It's, it's so many. D-led, it, the late, great Bob McClure. Like I've studied a lot of these guys. So just looking at and hearing the stories and, a lot of people don't remember the uh the Falk fans uh the website that website i stayed on that website because i was i remember one year and i think it was around the same year uh 2015 16 where i i, I broke down almost 200 300 players and one of the websites that i found was Falk fans and this guy when i tell you he went in depth with a lot of his content and those who have been around they know what i'm talking about so let's kind of go into another question that we had about and it kind of goes into let's just say this that first the first thing what are your thoughts on arthur smith like i know a lot of people are they're looking at arthur smith almost like dan quinn like where did this guy come from and they have their reservations about can this work Will it work? Is he the right guy? Especially dealing with a guy like Dan Quinn, where it was pretty much his first, you know, rendezvous as a head coach. Like, what are your thoughts on uh, the direction that he wants to take this thing? I mean, for me, it's one of those things where, like, this is a very interesting time for the Falcons because this is the first time in a very long time that the Falcons hired an offensive-minded coach, right? The last time they did that was Bobby Petrino, which we don't count, right? We just skipped that one, right? Doesn't doesn't count. And, uh, you know, before that, it was Dan Reeves, right? So, you know, the last time we hired an offensive coach was Dan Reeves in 97, right? 25, almost 25 years ago. And 
you know, there's been this battle, this debate back and forth, whether or not, you know, is it better for this team given all their offensive, you know, powers and their defensive struggles? Is it better for them to hire offensive coach, defensive coach these last couple of years, given, you know, sort of the struggles that Dan Quinn has gone through? Uh, so I, I'm very curious to sort of see whether Arthur Smith can sort of, you know, live up to the hype and, and be sort of that offensive guru um, that can come in and, and really get this offense back on track. Because we we know that this team has been driven primarily by their offense, thanks to players like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones over the last decade. And I think that's been a big reason why this team has slipped in recent years, because their just offense just hasn't been great. It's been good at times, but just hasn't been the sort of consistent level that we've come to expect uh, with these players that we've had over this last, you know, 10, 12 years. So I, I think Arthur Smith has the potential to get it back on track. Uh, you know, I tend to be a, a very much a believe it when I see it type of person. So I'm hopeful, oh, yeah. I'm optimistic, but like at the same time, like I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, he's definitely going to, we're, we're going to go, you know, 16 and one this year. And, uh, you know, we're going to be in the Super Bowl or whatever. Like I, I'm, I'm very excited to see what he does, but I'm not going to necessarily go too far on the limb before we actually see some, you know, actual football being played later this summer. Well, that's an interesting way that you said it. Like you said, <laughs> offensive minded head coach says Dan Reeves and we was a balanced team. And the last two head coaches that were defensively, we was a pass happy team. Yeah, that. That, that that sounds kind of oxymoronic a little bit, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he was known for having that running game in Tennessee. You know, he he, he joked about it before a couple of weeks ago. Like, you know, people gave him a lot of credit for being a great play caller when all he did was just hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and, and let Derrick Henry do his thing. So he's not going to have that scenario probably in, in all likelihood here in Atlanta, at least not immediately. So right. I think Atlanta is going to be a challenge for him. But obviously, it's not going to be like this huge challenge because he got he's got Matt Ryan, he's got Julio Jones, he's got Calvin Ridley, he's got Hayden Hurst, he's got some talented offensive linemen. You know, you he's added Mike Davis. There's some other places that the Falcons could wind up adding. You know, in a couple of weeks in the draft to sort of help supplement that. So you know, it's not as if like he's you know it's it's barren or anything like that. So he's he's got some weapons that he can work with and he can be very productive with. But I don't know if we're going to see you know exactly what we saw in Tennessee with him just basically, I'm just going to feed Derrick Henry and let him carry us. Cause I don't, I don't think we're going to have, you know, I like Mike Davis, but I don't, I don't think he's Derrick Henry. Right. <laughs> Ain't nobody Thanos out there. <laughs> Thanos right there, man. Thanos with dreadlocks. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I call. <laughs> um, <laughs> it kind of interesting that you brought that up and me being uh, one of the guys that really watches a lot of film. Um, what are the things for you personally, when you look at Arthur Smith, his scheme, going back to Tennessee and watching how they use their weapons? Like what jumps out to you as far as his scheme, what he likes to do that you are most excited about? Well, I mean, in, in the run game, it's the outside zone scheme, right? And that's where the Falcons offense of line was built towards, you know, with Jake Matthews and having all these athletes. You got Matt Hennessy, you got Chris Lindstrom, you got Caleb McGarry. You know, we'll see what happens with the left guard position. But Matt Gano, we've seen him get plugged in there and, and do decent work there at times. So you have this offensive line that Dan Quinn, uh, say what you will about Dan Quinn and his, you know, roster building 
But, uh, you know, he built an offensive line to run that outside, that wide zone scheme that, you know, Kyle Shanahan and and others have made famous. And, and that's what Arthur Smith did in Tennessee. That's what he's going to do in Atlanta. He hired a coach uh, in Dwayne Ledford as offensive line coach. That's what he coached everywhere he went when he was in the college level. Right. So you're going to see that. And that's going to help hopefully get this running game back on track and get it back to the levels it was in, in the pre dirt cutter days. You know, in the passing game, I think what you're you're looking for is is a lot of play action. That's what he was known for in Tennessee. Um, you know, that's not something that Dirk Cutter was particularly known for. He did dial it up more last season than he's probably ever done outside of a couple of years with Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. But certainly compared to his previous times in Atlanta, where he just kind of was like, I'm not going to ask Matt Ryan uh, to, to run a lot of play action. And last year you saw him do it more. And I think it was effective at times. Uh, and that's why, you know, you, you saw the offense be a little bit more explosive. But I think, you know, Arthur Smith, at least based off of what he did in Tennessee, you know, he's going to turn that up to 11. So I think you like what the blueprint is and how Tennessee used A.J. Brown is a lot like how the Falcons prior to Dirk Cutter used Julio Jones and Sark's offense and Kyle Shanahan's offense. And we saw. You know, Julio Jones, despite the injury, played at a really high level last year when he was healthy. I think there's every reason to think that you will see him continue to play at a high level. Maybe not at sort of where he was peak a couple of years ago where, you know, getting, what was it, like 1,800 yards receiving or something ridiculous. But, you know, he, he doesn't need to do that anymore because you got an emerging player like Calvin Ridley. So I, I feel like all the things are there for the Falcons to have a potent offense. It's just we just... We just got to see it. You know, we've been saying that for like, what, three years now. All the all the components are there for the Falcons off. We just haven't consistently seen it. So I think there's every reason for people to be optimistic that we can finally live up to those expectations. But, you know, time will tell. OK, so with Arthur Smith, um, like you said, that mentality of bringing kind of like that play action run game to Atlanta. Um do you think that his mindset as being a former offensive lineman can um, bring a different mentality as far as how this team is going to operate as far as being on the field? I hope so. I really do. Um, you know, it, it, I guess the thing that popped in my head when you said that was like, remember last year, or I know you don't want to remember this, but the, the Saints whooped us in that one game, right? Where they got like eight sacks, right? right. And then, you know, what the unfortunately the thing that I've seen too much with the Falcons over the years is like their offensive line will get whooped in a game and then they'll get challenged the next week and they'll play better. Right. But it takes them to have to get their butts kicked, you know, a couple of times before they get that challenge. And my hope is that with Arthur Smith, you won't need to see them get their butts kicked first. That challenge will be there from the jump. So that's what I'm hoping. But you know, being a Falcon fan for many years, I, it's hard for me to get too, too optimistic <laughs> about their I, offensive line, uh, you know, living up to expectations. Let's say this. Like, let's just cut all the fluff and blah, blah, blah. Were the Falcons too damn soft? What is this too soft? Do come on now. Come on now. Soft? Like, we, look, come on. Like, that, let's give it a, re let's give it honest, 100% honesty, raw, real, <laughs> rough, okay? All right, were the Falcons too dead? Because we've always said here, all right, we are oftentimes uncensored, and you're not going to get a lot of politically correct words here. But like one of the things that I've always said is I love Ricardo Allen, 
But I thought Ricardo Allen was just one of those guys, which is, look, he's the guy, he's the standard. We want you guys to act like Ricardo Allen because we want this team to look a certain way. And when you bring in a guy like Arthur Smith, I look, you look at the guy, he looks intimidating. He looks like he's crazy as you know what, all right? <laughs> he looks crazy as uh, – do you think the mentality for the Atlanta Falcons has to change more so than scheme? Because we know we can – you can bring in this guy to run the ball. You can bring in this guy for a passing game, and you can draft all the best players. But if you – that mentality and uh, – that mentality is everything. Do you think that's something that the Falcons are trying – more um they're really trying to get back to that that 98 dan reeves type of you know we're going to come out we're going to run the ball down your throat and we're going to play hard nose physical defense do you think that's something that we should yeah i mean i, I think that's the goal i mean i i guess the part you know where i, I wonder is are we going to see that goal this year right it's right. like i think we're going to take steps there but I don't know if we're going to be like at the end at the destination. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, right. That's the path. That's the goal. That's the journey that we're going on. When we get there, I think it's up in the air, but I think certainly that's the end goal for Arthur Smith to, to get back to being that physical team. And, and like, you know, for me, it's one of those things where like, we heard Dan Quinn talk about this. We've heard Jim Moore talk about this. We've heard so many Mike Smith talk about this and, and they were able to do that with Michael Turner. Um, early on and be that sort of physical football team with, with him and Harvey Dahl and Ovi Mahaley and whatnot. So, you know, I'm not looking around seeing Michael Turner and, and Ovi Mahaley, you know, walk through that door quite yet. But, you know, I, I don't know if Harvey Dahl is, is – we have a Harvey oh, Dahl in this offensive line. But, like, you know, I think that's the goal that the Falcons are going to start building towards. And I, I think you see them take steps in this draft to start to add those types of pieces um, up front in the in the backfield – uh, in this draft, it's just going to be a matter of when they do decide to do that. All right. Since he don't went to that question, I got a question for you, Mr. Aaron Freeman. Okay. Um, so with this new regime, where do you think that first pick oh. for this draft how do you like what pick do you think they would be at number four or they would trade down to kind of establish this new regime and mentality? Okay. Yeah, man, this is this is a big question, right? <laughs> this is a question. This is a question where everybody wakes up on Twitter or, or wherever you're at and decides, like, okay, let's 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 get into it each and every day, right? right. I, look, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I have no idea. I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with, with Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, like last year I was able to successfully predict them picking AJ Terrell, but it took, it took six years for me to figure out their tendencies for me to, to figure out who they were going to pick, you know, cause they always zig when you think they're going to zag. So basically I'm throwing my hands up in year one of this new regime being like, I have no idea who they're going to pick, no but that being said, you know, I think the the decision to restructure Matt Ryan, I think, is an interesting decision, right? Because I think that in and of itself is not a questionable decision. But if you wind up taking a quarterback at four, it becomes a questionable decision. If you don't wind up taking a quarterback at four, then it's fine, right? So if, if 
that to me is the question. I think quarterback is still on the table at four. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's still on the table. I think they probably want to trade back. If they don't get the chance to trade back, then I think they will probably take a pass catcher. And I know that's not going to necessarily help them in the physical department, but when you're picking at four and you're getting a blue chip franchise pass catcher, and if you're like, we know that Matt Ryan plays his best football when he has reliable receivers that he can trust. And whether that's a tight end, like Kyle Pitts, whether it's a wide receiver, like Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, I think it makes sense to take one of those guys because they're, they're blue chip pass catchers. And I don't necessarily see a blue chip player at on the defense. We can right. certainly have a conversation about Penny Sewell being a blue chip offensive lineman. I think the concern with drafting Penny Sewell, or at least my concern with drafting Penny Sewell, because I, I, I do really like him as a prospect. I don't know if he helps you where the, your biggest weakness on the offensive line is. And that's on the interior. And right. You know, I think you can draft Penny Sewell and be very confident he's going to be a great tackle. I don't know if you can draft him and be confident he's going to be a great guard. I don't know if you can draft him, put him at tackle, and then move somebody, one of your current tackles, whether that's Jake Matthews or Caleb McGarry, and feel confident that they're going to be a good guard. So I feel like if you're drafting Penny Sewell, the possibility, even though you might be getting a, a franchise 15-year starter at tackle, you might be in the same exact predicament a year from now where you still need a guard, right? So I think if you want to solve the guard problem, take a guard. Right. And that means trading back in the first round and getting one of those guards like a Rashawn Slater or Elijah Vera Tucker in the middle of the first round or in round two or three or whatever. Just get the best guard out there. A Landon Dickerson, a Quentin Myers. Uh, you know, I, I don't know everybody in this draft class, but, you know, I feel like that solves that problem. You don't have to worry about that. So for me, at least, if you're going to go, if, if you're leaning towards offensive line at the top of this draft to get that sort of physical mentality that we're talking about. I think it's probably in your best interest to trade back just because I, I just don't think drafting a tackle that high is worth the pick, right? Not because I don't think Penny Sewell's worth the pick. I just don't think for the Falcons drafting a tackle is really going to help them uh, solve their issues. So I just laid out like six different scenarios for what the Falcons can do at the top <laughs> of the draft. And so just pick one out of a hat and that's what they'll do. I, I have no idea. We, we say this all the time. We say it all the time. Like, K-Styles has this saying <laughs> uh, when, they, when we're asked what other Falcons are going to do and what is that, K-Styles? We don't damn know. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely no clue where these guys are going. And, and I think this is more of a you know, a testament to not only Terry Fontenot, but one of the guys that I've always stated, like a lot of people have not given a lot of credit to. Um, and when you look back at how the Falcons were, how the organization was run when he stepped back. And this is Rich McKay. And I think Rich McKay is a very, uh, it's a vital part of this, franchise that a lot of people are not really paying a lot of attention to and we can kind of go back through the history of what happened uh, when he was uh, for the most part calling shots um, a guy like Thomas Dimitrov when he had full control of this team when he had full control of this team um, he had some questionable not only drafts but he has some horrendous uh, free agent pickup. So, like, that kind of goes into what the next question is as far as the the free agents. Uh, which guy that you feel as though that, that, that is 
one of those guys. And I think a lot of them, if you look at all of it, Mike Davis, Eric Harris, these guys, um, what's it, what's his name? I forget the cornerback's name. I, I can't say his last name, but um oh, uh, Fabian Monroe. Which of those guys do you uh, or do you like any of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I like most of the signings. I mean, you know, the the one the one move I'm not a big fan of is the trade for Lee Smith. Not because I don't like Lee Smith. I just think, <laughs> you know, why are we why are we trading for why are we overpaying for another blocking tight end? I, I feel like we've been down this road with Levine Toilolo and Luke Stocker. I was like, why are we why are we doing this again? Like, just but that being said, I, I like all the other moves. I, you know, I was hoping, I was expecting. You know, I wanted to see the Falcons be a little bit more aggressive in free agency this year to to sort of fill some of these needs. Obviously, I didn't get that wish, but, you know, I think in terms of getting bang for your buck and, you know, shopping on a budget, I think they've done a, a decent job adding uh, some some veteran pieces, some some guys that can come in and, you know, add some character to this locker room and, and help what I think are, are going to be a bunch of young guys, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, where they're just kind of, you know, it, it seems like the plan right now is that they're just going to, basically just collect draft picks this year and next year and just mm -hmm. sort of try to rebuild that way and then hope that, you know, the Julios and the Matt Ryans and the Grady Jarrett of the world can, you know, sort of keep you competitive. That's what it seems like the plan is right now, but who knows again, no idea. Um, but like, I, I like, you know, I think Mike Davis is probably the, the guy that you're looking at this probably going to have the most impact this year, obviously, because I think, you know, he has a chance to be their RB one. You know, I think they're going to be in a committee system. I don't think there's going to be a, a true feature, guy um i know a lot of people want and, and want to see them use one of their top picks on a running back you know I, I wouldn't be opposed to that idea you know but like i don't see that happening but again don't know what i'm talking about just guessing um but like uh yeah i mean i, I think davis is, is probably the most interesting piece just because i think he has an opportunity to have the most impact and, and give them that sort of physical running uh style that they have but you know Gurley gave that to them in the first half of last season, then kind of ran out of gas after like week five. Um, the hope is I think you can get what David, what Gurley gave you for the first five weeks of the season for, you know, a full 16 weeks of the season. And if you get that, you know, that's a potential thousand yard rusher because Gurley was on pace for a thousand yards for the first like six, seven games of the season. It was, you know, and basically anytime we got in the red zone, they were just handing the ball off. So at some point, I think he was on pace for like 25 touchdowns or something like that. But uh <laughs> You know, but like I think Davis has an opportunity to to do some good stuff. I think the other pieces, Mingo, Copeland, Moreau, Eric Harris, you know, I think they're all role players. Um, but I, I think they can, you know, there's nothing wrong with role players. Uh, you know, that oftentimes role players get a bad name. And unlike past, you know, general managers, they're not paying multi million dollars for uh, role players. So, uh, you know, if. Brown and Carpenter paying those guys what 20, 30, 40 million for those. Yeah, guys? Don't forget Paul Solia and Tyson oh, Jackson. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, I forgot about that one. K Style loves to remind me of that one. I, I just I got that etched out of my you brain. See, you, see, you, you, you see, you see my face, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it might just bro, like <laughs> Something like that. Something like that, yeah. The Mike brought up the Robert Offer contract a couple times. I thought that was the worst. That, that's that's one of those. I thought that was absolutely the dumbest contract. Like I, 
Why would you pay a guy who not only led the league in penalty yards and that was his best year? That's his best year as a corner, and you give him 30, almost $40 million when he's one of the worst cornerbacks in the freaking league, if not the worst corner in the league. Now, a lot of people got, you know, a lot of Falcons fans, they get carried away with the interceptions and whatnot, but I honestly thought that was one of the worst contracts, um, which kind of goes into one thing, uh, another thing, and we want to kind of go back a little bit, but the Matt Ryan restructure. This is something that I will really want to kind of get your idea, uh, your thoughts on about just Matt Ryan, and we'll kind of go into the questions next. Um, let the fans just have some fun with Mister Mister Aaron Freeman. But what what are your thoughts on what that what exactly? All right, we're gonna get this clear. All right, it's clear. These are this is your thoughts on the restructure. What are your thoughts on Matt Ryan, and what does this mean for years to come, if it means anything? <laughs> Um, hmm. look, I think Matt Ryan's still one of the better quarterbacks in the league. My main concern with Matt Ryan is not what he's going to be in 2021. It's not really what he's going to be in 2022. Right. My main concern is like my if, if you can call this a fear. And I've said this before on Locked on Falcons, like this is not a bad place to be. You know, we've been in worse places, Falcon fans, than, than the place mm. I'm about to describe. But I think if if you're worried about Matt Ryan, you're not worried about the Falcons being bad with Matt Ryan, right? What you're worried about is the Falcons actually being good with Matt Ryan, but not good enough. That the Falcons are basically what the Saints have been the last couple of years, which is a very good team. They build around Matt Ryan. And then you get to the postseason, as we've seen with the Saints the last four years, and you just don't have that good of a quarterback. Drew Brees, great regular season quarterback, very efficient, manages the game as good as anybody else. But in January, you need to have an explosive, dynamic offense. And the dinking and dunking does not work. And when you look at Matt Ryan's own history as a quarterback in Atlanta, early on in his career, the offense was a dink and dunk, feed the ball to Michael Turner offense. And you got into January, and that just does not work against playoff defenses. Playoff defenses will let you have that easy stuff all day long, but then on third down, third and seven, third and eight, they are going to get off the field. When you get into the red zone, you're going to be settling for field goals and not scoring touchdowns. And then their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, whoever it is, is going to go down the field and score a touchdown against the Falcons defense, right? That's basically the story of the Falcons in January. Then they go out and add a player like Julio Jones. And in 2012, Julio Jones and that offense was ripping through teams in the postseason because they were able to add an explosive element. That's why the Falcons made a run under Kyle Shanahan, because they were explosive offense. Right. So my concern with Matt Ryan is as he gets older, we, we know history tells us that quarterbacks start to lose something around the age of 37, 38. Matt Ryan's only like a year or two away from that. Right. You can look at Ben Roethlisberger this past year. I think when he was 38. You look at Drew Brees when they had to basically transform their offense from asking Drew Brees to throw the ball 600 times a season to let's feed Alvin Kamara. Let's feed Mark Ingram. Let's feed Latavius Murray and run that balanced offense because we know Drew Brees cannot drop back and throw the ball and carry the offense anymore. And so I think the concern you have with your, if you're a Falcon fan is not that the Falcons are going to be bad if they commit to Matt Ryan, it's that they're going to be good and they're going to put all these pieces around Matt Ryan. And then Matt Ryan at age, whatever that age is going to be, is going to lose something. 
and you're going to be this really good team that wins 12, 13 games every year, but does not have a shot at the, at the postseason, right? You're going to basically be what the Chiefs were before they moved up for Patrick Mahomes and they had Alex Smith, which was a perennial playoff team. They made the playoffs five years in a row. They had some 13 and three seasons. There was a couple of years there where Alex Smith was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. But guess what? They couldn't beat the Patriots. They couldn't beat teams like that in the postseason. And then they decided, well, look, we need to get an upgraded quarterback. So that's the concern I think you have. That's at least the concern I have with Matt Ryan. I think, obviously, I think you're several years away from that. But right. father time is undefeated. So eventually that day is going to come. It's just right. a matter of when. So for me, getting back to your question, all that to say, the Matt Ryan restructure, I think, does a good job of if you're going to build around Matt Ryan and you're going to basically say well, he's our guy, then you, it makes sense for the Falcons to restructure Matt Ryan. As I said earlier, if you wind up drafting a quarterback, which I don't think is likely, but I think it's still on the table, restructuring Matt Ryan makes no sense to me, right? Because now you're in a situation where you're either going to have to get rid of Matt Ryan and take a, a, a significant cap penalty next year or the year after, or you're going to wind up using a, a top five pick on a quarterback that you're not going to be able to use because Matt Ryan's going to be balling and doing whatever he's going to do. So I would sit here and say, because of that, I think the Falcons should pass on a quarterback, be ready to go and put pieces around Matt Ryan for the foreseeable future, see what they can do over the next two, three years with Matt Ryan at, at the helm. Um, you know, and, you know, figure it out from that point on. Uh, does that answer your question? Oh, oh absolutely. 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 K-Styles, you got the thing because I, 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 I can keep going. The only thing I can say is with, with, with what he just said right there was very profound. And it probably have made him Atlanta Falcon fan enemy number one. Because of that statement. Oh, he's used to it. He's used, he's used to it. He's used to it. He's used to that. Yeah, and I did I didn't want to make this comment. And then like I said, I seen like with, with what you just with your take on what you just said, there's a lot of these Falcon fans out here that said that they were willing to give up on the team if they don't draft a quarterback with the fourth overall pick. I'm here to tell y'all, if you do that, <laughs> and, and, and I do this all the time. If y'all decide if y'all want to give up on the team. Give us your merchandise and your season ticket. Uh, we can auction them off to the chat right here. Look, my favorite thing this time of year is all the fans that are like, if they do this in a draft, I'm done. I'm a, like, no, you're not. You're just saying that. Like, no, you're not. Look, ain't nothing the Falcons going to do in the draft make you quit on the team if you haven't quit on the team from what they've been on the field. Right, you know what right. I'm saying? I guess it's, right. it's just like, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't make any sense. I, I I love it when people say stuff like that. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not. You're not going anywhere. You might take a break from the Falcons. You might take, a, you know, our, our boy Tim Williams. You know, he took a break from the Falcons this year, right? But right, he's back. they always come back. You know, they always come back. That's an insider. Y'all probably don't know. Oh man. Hey, hey, man! Like, like you said, they, 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 they take a break for them until they start winning. 
And once they start, <laughs> they they peeking their head out like roaches. Look, we all we all need a break from the Falcons every now and then. We all need a break right. from them. You know, it's it's hard emotionally to to root for this team for as long as we have, right? You, I don't have a problem with people taking a break. Yeah, I I recommend it for your mental health. If you need to take a month off, two months off, three months off, but you ain't quitting. If you ain't quitting by now, you ain't quitting because the team drafted somebody at four that you didn't want them to. Like, come on, man. You you getting mad about a, a draft pick? Come on, man. You ain't mad about twenty eight to three. You ain't mad about all these all right, fourth quarter collapses. You know, but you mad about a draft pick? Okay, sure, sure, whatever you say. Oh, See, man. I, knew, I knew that was coming out of him. That's why I, I, knew it was coming coming out. I had to get him out. There. I just, I just love when people be saying ridiculous things. Like, really? Okay, sure. Yeah, you, you gonna give up on the team because. They're gonna take the wrong player at pick number four. And we and like that's the funny thing about the draft, man. This is what I, I get a kick out of this every year. We all sit here and we're all like we sound like we're all experts. We're like, yeah, I watch this guy and blah blah blah. We have no idea who's gonna be good. And we trade NFL teams. NFL teams don't know who's good. They don't know. We're all guessing. We're all guessing. It's all just you just roll a dice, and so like to get caught bent out of shape about who the Falcons like we're not going to know for three years who the Falcons should have taken so like for people to be like if they do this if they you know it's like whatever man like relax we're not going to know no like if, if I had asked you after the 2015 draft which Falcons draft pick is going to be a two-time pro bowler and be a top three player at his position how many people would have said Grady Jarrett right where where would a Grady Jarrett been ranked on that list of you of guys that would have been multi pro bowler and top three at his position? Most people wouldn't have had him in, in their top three or four of the Falcons pick that year, right? Most people wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, if you knew that ahead of time, Grady Jarrett would have been a top five pick, a top ten pick that year. But no one knows, man. It's like people get all bent out of shape about the draft or whatever. It's like you just don't know. It's all guessing. It's fine. Like have an opinion or whatever the case may be, but like people acting like you know. I know what's going to like, man, come on, man, get out of here with that nonsense. No one knows what they're talking about. We're all just guessing. That's all it is. We just, we just guess louder than the other person next to us. That's all we're doing. Say it one more time, Kevin. Say it one more time. One more time. Okay. We don't damn know. (laughs) We have no idea. We're not experts. Like I said, no one could have seen Caleb McGarry like that. Two things shocked me. I, I say three. When the Falcons drafted, traded up to get Tack McKinley, two, when they drafted Calvin Ridley, did not see that. I absolutely hated the pick. And three, Kayla McGarry. I never saw Kayla McGarry coming. No one could, no one in that right mind. I don't give a damn who you are. No one is going to tell me that they saw Kayla McGarry being drafted in the first round. There's no way in hell they would have said that. Yeah. So that's kind they, of they always zig when you when you expect them to zag. And so like yeah. I, I just tell people like don't have any expectations. Like cuz you don't know what's going to happen. Right. They're always going to throw off your expectations. So you know, lower them as low as you possibly can get and just be like, "Look, man." And what's funny is like like Matt Ryan was not a popular pick. Like, you know, we got this revisionist history oh, where people oh, act yeah. like, "Oh, like we love Matt Ryan and we've loved Matt Ryan from day. like, no, Falcon fans for the most part did not like that pick. <laughs> Like they hated the pick, right? They they were all about Glenn Dorsey. But here's the thing: this is what right. happened. This is what you ask most Falcon fans, with the with the exception of a few, right? That still to this day are, are, are you know on the outside uh, looking in. But 
if you ask most Falcon fans after the draft, I'm like, hey, I'm not a huge fan of the pick, but he's a Falcon. I'm going to root for him. And I just say, like, if we all know that's where you're going to wind up, what's the point of you dying on a hill for two months before the draft over a prospect that if the Falcons don't pick him, like, you, you don't care, you know? Like, it's just like whoever they wind up picking is going to be the guy that you root for. So just right. wait until they pick a guy and then root for that guy. You don't have to, you know, feel compelled to wake up every day and be like, look, you know, like, like I'm the Kyle Pitts guy. Not because, like, I really want the Falcons to draft Kyle Pitts. I just, when people were, like, dismissing the idea of drafting Kyle Pitts, like, a month ago, I was like, hey, it kind of makes sense. You know, like it makes a little bit more sense once you start thinking about it. And so people are like, oh, you want the team to draft Kyle Pitts? Like, I don't really care who they draft, right? I know they're going to get a good player or I'm hoping they get a good player. But at the end of the day, like, I don't really care. Like, whoever they get, I'll be fine with, you know? So, like, for me, it's one of those things where it's like, I just watch year after year of, of people being like, you know, we, we should draft this guy and they draft this guy. I'm, I'm done. I'm like, whatever, man. I just like, I just go, whatever. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> really struck a nerve. <laughs> he really struck a nerve. <laughs> Obviously, you guys know, as you can tell. Like you know, I've been, yeah. this is stuff I've been thinking about for a long time, and I just you know, I can't I can't say it every day on Locked On Falcons because I gotta right. stay on topic. But you know, I appreciate I you for giving me the format in the in the forum hey, to be able to That's vent a little bit. Hey, That's exactly what it's about. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's about the same question and stuff we get on a daily basis. Over a daily basis. A daily basis. Because I say Kyle Pitts is the best athlete in this draft. I Look, you're not going to get any dispute from me. You know, I was listening to a podcast earlier today. Oh, that, oh, oh, that, oh, oh, I know you ain't getting no dispute. That's you know, you know, we right here. We right here. I, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and the person said, like, if you – Take the quarterbacks out of the conversation. Kyle Pitts might be the best player in this draft. Like, whether you agree with that statement or not, it's not that hard to make that argument. Am I right? Right. It's a pretty easy argument. You just watch a couple of highlights and you're like, hey, there ain't that many 6'6", 240-pound guys that move like this, that catch like this. You know, the types of guys that immediately pop into my head when I see this guy, you know, play, I see Julio Jones. I see Calvin Johnson. Calvin you know. Johnson, yeah. Like, so who who would sit here and be like, I don't think we should draft Calvin Johnson 2.0. I don't yeah, think we should draft another Julio. Like, who, you know, like, that's why I'm like, that's that was my whole thing from the Kyle Pitts with the start. Like, are you really going to be mad if the Falcons draft like a, a, a super dynamic, talented tight end that completely changes how defenses play you? Are you really going to be mad about that just because he's a tight end? Like, really? Okay, sure. Okay, whatever. To go along with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones to have Kyle Pitts in the slot consistently along with Hayden Hurst, that that right there is just a that but that is a matchup nightmare. I don't know any defenses that can do much with that because you have Jones is just gonna he's gonna in his own right command sometimes triple teams, but double teams consistently, and you have to pay close attention. To a guy like Calvin Ridley, like you can't just leave Calvin Ridley on the island alone consistently. So, you have a guy like uh, Kyle Pitts, man. I, I don't think a lot of teams want that problem. I, I really don't think a lot of defensive coordinators uh, want that problem. Um, which kind of goes into uh, 
let's go into the defensive side of the ball because we, we've done enough uh, of, of offense. What are your thoughts on Dean Pease and what there's a lot of issues on the front in the front seven. Um, we've, we all know that he stated that he doesn't necessarily want to, you know, tip his hand on what he, you know, the type of formations that he was a four, three or three, four team. What do you think about the direction of the defense where they're headed? If you can't see anything like right now, we don't know anything about this team. That This is what I love about the team right now. I love confusion because we don't know. This is the first time. Like he said it not too long ago. He just said it not too long ago. You've been able to predict every move the Falcons are going to make before it happens. And this is the first time in a while that we we don't damn know. We don't know anything. So when you look at the roster, when you look at the, the draft picks and the salary cap, like as far as like what, what do you see? In the direction that the Falcons, you know, they they can go. If I mean, for me, for me, you know, this might be a hot take to a lot of people. I don't think they're going to be drastically different schematically than they were last year under Raheem Morris. Like, I think they'll tweak it a little bit. But we right. we saw a blitz happy scheme. This was the most blitz happy we've seen the Falcons probably mm-hmm. ever in 2020 with Raheem Morris. They were like top. 10, 12 and blitzes. Yeah. And when you look at how much they blitzed last year, that was actually more than Dean Pease was blitzing when he was in Baltimore and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of similarities, right? You know, they try to do a better job disguising their coverages. Uh, again, we can debate whether it was effective or not, but like they did a better job. They, you know, I think Dean Pease is definitely going to double down on that and, and be a lot more disguising coverage we might see more cover two we might see more cover four or whatever than we saw last year where they were still primarily a cover one cover three scheme for the most part so you know i think you'll see a a lot more mixes of coverages but i think at the end of the day schematically they're not going to really change all that or at least i'm not expecting them to be night and day different schematically i think really my hope and my expectation for what dean breeze is going to dean peace is going to bring to the table is you know he's known for coming up with game plans tailor made to each opponent it's not sort of a, a basic game plan right. that they tweak slightly each and every week for, you know, we blitz a little bit more against this quarterback. We play a little bit more zone against this guy or whatever the case may be, which is what we've seen the last couple of years. Like he is much more willing to basically look, we're going to completely revamp this thing and do something completely different than what we did last week, uh, because that's what, you know, this game plan requires. So I like that, but you need to be well coached and disciplined to be able to, to do that. Right. Part of the problem the Falcons have run into, and I think this is not purely on the coaching, somewhat on the coaching, but I think ultimately the Falcons, some of the issues they've had on defense the last couple of years is the players, they had to simplify things. They had to basically, you know, we're going to run a lot of more man coverage because when we try to do the zone stuff, you got Isaiah Oliver running all over the place. You got Kamal Ishmael going <laughs> over there. You got Ricardo Allen, Demonte Casey, and this guy doing this and that. And we need to simplify things. Right. They did it in 2016. They've done it the last couple of years. That's why we've seen them dial up their man coverage. And so my big question is, did they have to do that? Because for you know, lack of a better term, the players were too stupid to, <laughs> to figure out the complicated stuff that they were trying to do. Right. You know, and I hate being that harsh when I say it, but like that's my that's my biggest question mark. So like Dean Pease can do all the things that he wants to do. 
But if the players can't figure it out, and my concern right now for the defense is, particularly in the secondary, it looks like they're going to have to devote a lot of draft picks to building up that secondary. Right. I, you know, you, you got AJ Terrell, you pick up Faber and Moreau, right? Eric Harris, you know, I, I don't know how attached they're going to be to Isaiah Oliver right. and Kendall Sheffield and Jalen Hawkins and, and all these guys, right? So I think they're going to, you know, it wouldn't shock me if we saw like two, three, four of their first several picks go into the secondary. So, you know, if you're going to have a bunch of rookies out there, can you run all this complex stuff that Dean Pease wants to run? I don't know. So like, I'm eager to see how it all comes together, if it all comes together. Because, you know, before we've kind of known what the defense was going to be, because like Dan Quinn had his style and, you know, Raheem Morris would come in, Jeff Holbrook come in and tweak it a little bit. And maybe it was better. Maybe it was worse or whatever the case may be. But you knew basics of what they want to do. They were going to play cover three on early downs. Third down, they're going to play cover one man defense. They're going to man up teams. They were successful doing that when they had better secondary play early in Dan Quinn's career. Not so much the last couple of years. I think that was a contributing factor why the defense didn't show the growth that we were expecting it to. But, you know, I think Dean Pease, is he going to play that style? I don't know. So uh, it's it's fascinating. Like, there's so many questions, right? You know, and like it goes to what you're talking about where, like, we can sit here and talk about all these different things of what could happen and what should happen. From my perspective, because we don't know what's going to happen, I think people should be a lot more open-minded about the possibilities and, and discussing and having these conversations and being like, look, I don't know, but you know, what do you think? Oh, you think that, Oh, that's interesting. You know, I didn't have thought of that before. You know, I may not agree with you, but like at the same time, I'm like, you know, right. we don't know, like we're all just throwing darts at a board trying to figure this thing out. So I think this is going to be an interesting time. You know, the bottom line is I think the team is going to have to rely heavily on their coaching. Cause I don't think we're going to see a team that's going to go out there and out talent teams like we expected from this team the last couple of years. So I, I think they have the coaches to do it, but we'll just have to see. Well, they were damn near at the bottom of the league last year because you, you ain't got no way to go but up. <laughs> but Almost every but, category. <laughs> but, but but do you think that came more so for um players kind of playing out of their natural positions? Or do you just, or like you said, or you just think they just couldn't pick it up? <laughs> let's say, let's go with all of the above. Uh, I think, <laughs> you know, I think for, I, I think you know, like last year, you know, and this was something I was talking about last year during the off season when, you know, a lot of the, the talk was, you know, Raheem's going to fix it and whatnot. And I was like looking at the end of the 2019 season and seeing like, look, man, they played really well against bad quarterbacks and then not so well against good to competent quarterbacks. Like Jameis Winston had no problem picking apart that Falcons defense in, the, in those two Tampa Bay games at the end of the 2019 season. Right now we know Jameis Winston is an MVP whenever he plays the Falcons, which is ridiculous. But like, you know, like it was one of those things where I looked at the schedule last year and I was seeing Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and breeze and Brady and all these guys. And I'm like, Look, if they can't get pressure on these quarterbacks, they're not going to be able to stop these guys, right? Because with this young secondary, they're not going to have the players on the back. And plus, you know, all the receivers they were facing, man, they were facing like literally every top receiver. Like the only two receivers that they didn't face last year that was like a top 10 receiver was 
Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Like everybody else that was on their schedule. So I think the good thing that they have this year is they're not going to face that level of quarterback play. So I think we could see more like what we saw at the end of 2019 where, you know, Kyle out that when they were feasting on some bad quarterbacks, like you're not likely, you know, we'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson and we'll see what sort of what happens with some of these quarterbacks as we get closer to draft. But for the most part, outside of Tom Brady, outside of Josh Allen, you know, I guess you can throw Dak in there. You're not facing a who's who of, of elite quarterbacks this year. So I feel like there's potential for this defense to outperform expectations just because mm-hmm. like it's they don't need to be great to be able to slow down Daniel Jones. They don't need to be great to <laughs> slow down, you know, who, who else? Are we? <laughs> Wilson, you know, we got a bunch of rookies. We got Jacksonville. We got the Jets. Right. We're going to have a bunch of we got San Francisco. Right. So we know we're going to be facing probably three rookie quarterbacks at least. Who knows what Carolina's going to do? They could take a quarterback. Right. So it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like even though I don't have a ton of confidence right now with the defense and where they're going to be, I do feel like they have a chance that if they're just good enough. And like the thing that Dean Pease specialized in wasn't like Dean Pease is not like this defensive guru or whatever the case may be. What he does really well is be this sort of bend but don't break defense. And like you couple that with the potential that this Falcons offense has that we've already talked about. Like if you can just beat a bunch of teams like 27 to 24, you can win a lot of games this year, you know? So like, I feel like the Falcons, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like the man, the Falcons are like the best team in the league. Like I I don't think they're at that point yet, but I feel like they could surprise some people if they can just be this sort of disciplined team, you know, that can be, you know, not shoot themselves in the foot you know, score in the red zones, get stops in the red zone, do all those sorts of things and, you know, flip it where they can start winning some of these close games that they were losing last year, you know? So, you know, while you're not going to get me to say like, man, this Falcon team is, you know, they're on the path to the Super Bowl. You're not going to get me to say anything like that, but like, I think they can, I think they can surprise some people. So I have, I have optimism at this point in time. This is the time in the year where you're allowed to have optimism, you know, Ask me again in August, and I'll be like, man, I, I saw this preseason. Oh, they, they got beat by whatever, you know. Like, we'll see. But, like, uh, I, I think they, they got some some things that they can do on defense that can allow them to be a little bit more competitive than maybe some people. Just when you just look at the roster and you look at the depth chart and you're like, man, this defense was bad last year. They haven't really improved it. Who, who have they added or whatnot? But I, I think, you know, I'm hoping Dante Fowler's better. I'm hoping Marlon Davidson's better. John Kaminsky's better in the front. We know Grady Jarrett's good, right? I, I I don't think Deion Jones played. I think he arguably had his worst season. So I, I think he can get better. I think Foye Olakun showed that he can get better. You know, A.J. Terrell can get better. So I feel like the arrow is pointing up for the Falcons' defense. But, like, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, they're a great defense or anything. I just think, like, they – they don't have to be great. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. All, all I have right. to say is like I don't think they have to be great. They just have to be good enough. One more question. Well, one more question I got for you. Do you think this team will succeed if Young Way Koo leads the league and scoring wow. again? Wow! 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 <laughs> well, I mean, like you got you got two types of kickers, right? That lead the league in scoring, right? <laughs> you got the one who's just kicking nothing but field goals because his team can't 
scoring the red zone, right? And then you got the guy that's on the Rams under Sean McVay or whatever, because they're just scoring 40 points a game and he's just kicking extra points every single week. You know, he's kicking like eight extra points or whatever the case may be. So part of me is like, no, but the other part of me is like, maybe, you know, like maybe, you know, we see Matt Bryant lead the league in scoring a couple of those years when the Falcons offense was clicking at the most. So I'm like that type of season, you know, if we're scoring 40 burgers every week, like, yeah, let young way cool lead the league in scoring that year. But like, if we're just, you know, kicking field goals every single week and, you know, doing whatever we were doing last year, then no, I don't, I don't want to see that happen again. Yeah. Cause I know the Atlanta Falcons kickers have actually been like top three in scoring in fantasy football for like the last three or four years now. <laughs> we don't need that no more. Yeah, we don't need that anymore, man. Um, that, that's no, we're going about an hour. Um, I get one more question for you. Um, and it's kind of outside of the Atlanta Falcons and the news concerning the quarterbacks in the draft. What What are your thoughts on each quarterback? We're talking Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Those are pretty much the big three that most people are, you know, that, that they're talking about. Like, what are your thoughts? We're going to say each, if, if you had to rank each guy, well, who would you rank? And like, how would you rank those guys? Well, I'll be honest with you, Mike. I've been procrastinating on watching the quarterbacks, right? <laughs> you know, like I've been like, uh, do I do I have to watch them this weekend? Well, you you know? have to watch them. That's, yeah. I mean, you just said everything right there. You don't have to keep going. Get right so, there. Like, right there <laughs> i mean like i could rank them but i i'll i'll be honest with you once i actually sit down and watch these guys because i do plan on doing it i've just been procrastinating right. um you know it might change so I, I you know i think trevor lawrence is clearly one um who's two i have no idea man i have no idea you know because like i think each one has strengths that you like right. each one has weaknesses that you like you know, and it just depends on what you like, you know, right? and it just, you know, one day I'll be like, look, I, I've seen the things that Zach Wilson is doing, just throwing off platform. It's reminding me a lot of what Aaron Rodgers does. And I like, right. I like that on that day. But then I look at like Trey Lance and look at the, the arm strength and the, the mobility and seeing like, look, if you want a guy that on third and 11 that can run for a first down, you know, mm -hmm. Trey Lance is that guy. And also he can throw for a first down. And then mm -hmm. Justin Fields has like, the same thing, you know, like to me, he's the player that Justin Fields reminds me of is Cam Newton, but like he's way more accurate than Cam Newton is. So right. like that's also intriguing to me at the same time. So it, it just depends on the day you catch me, like what mood I'm in for, you know, it's like Trevor Lawrence is clearly one, but in terms of the other guys and then like you look at Mac Jones, like I don't have a problem with Mac Jones. You know, I'm not as intrigued by him as the other quarterbacks, but like, you know, he's fine. Like I, I can win. With him, I think he's a, a playoff caliber quarterback. I, I don't know if he's the guy that, you know, you definitely want to be like, this is my franchise. I'm going to build my team around him for the next 10, 15 years. But I certainly think he's more than capable of, of winning, uh, you know, football games at the at the next level. Hey, I love it, man. I love it. Um, well, that's kind of um, kind of bring it to an end, man. Uh, we absolutely – Enjoy it, man. Where can everybody? Where, where can everyone kind of find you, man? 
Well, I, I want to say I appreciate you guys having me on. Let me have the opportunity to go off on some of these rants that I went on tonight. You know, I don't get that opportunity all the time. So, you know, I appreciate that. But, you know, if people want to check me out, occasionally I'll, I'll go on a rant on Lockdown Falcons. It, it usually it builds up over time, as you guys can tell now from listening to me for the last hour. You know, I, I have some thoughts. But like, if people want to check me out, you know, Locked On Falcons on whatever podcast platform you're looking for, um, you know, five days a week, Monday through Friday. Uh, you know, this is the season. You know, April's coming up, and going to devote a lot of the content on that podcast for the next month, devoted to the draft. I'm going to have a lot of great guests coming on and give their thoughts on it because, look, as I said, I have no idea who's good or not. Right. Um, I'll let the other people give their opinions and, and we'll, we'll figure it out. So people, of course, can check me out there. And of course, if, you know, if they want snarky Falcons commentary on Twitter, I'm the place to go, you know, at Falcons. <laughs> oh, and, yes. uh, you know, if, if, if you don't mind reading tweets where you don't know if I'm being sarcastic or not, and you're just like, is he being serious? <laughs> Uh, you know, Falk fans might be the account for you. Now, if you you know, if you want someone that's super serious all the time, uh, maybe not for you. But uh, you know, I, I like to toe that line of like, is he being sarcastic? That's that's where I'm at. That's where I live. Awesome. <laughs> hey man, I love it, man. That's 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 wild folly, man. I appreciate you going for coming on and spending uh, time with us, man. This is way. This 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 has been. Uh, it's been a journey, man. I, I'll say that. I've like I said, I've I watched you for a while, and it's it's been close to a decade that I've been, you know, following. So I appreciate you, man. Um, again, man, whenever you feel the need that you want to rent and lockdown podcast is not the place for you. This Atlanta Falcons Nation, man, Mike Sports is the place for you, man. All right. So thank you, man. Appreciate it. Look, Mike, and I told you before, look, you know, uh, I did Falk fans for a, a, a long time. And, you know, all I wanted to do is to, you know, inspire people. And if, you know, th if that website just occupies like a little corner uh, of your brain and being like, look, I appreciate that website, then I feel like mission accomplished. Because as I said earlier, there were some times over the last several years where I was like, why am I doing this? Like, does anybody care about this? So I do appreciate that kind of words and, and, and much respect to you. I copied your theme. Look, your website was exactly what I like. I copied from almost verbatim. All right, it was uh, like like I said, man. You were one of the ones. Uh, you, Matt Carley, so many other guys, man. Like 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 seriously, this is uh, me being absolutely one hundred percent real with you. Like you've inspired me. You inspire others. They may not say it. But they, you definitely inspired. So I appreciate it, man. Everything that you've done, man, you continue to do. You know, God bless you, man. And like I said, man, I totally appreciate it. Yeah, you guys, you guys keep doing your thing. Um, you know, there's plenty of space out here for everybody to give their Falcons takes. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, sometimes people will get into it, you know, on online and whatnot and, be, and, and have a, a, a war of words. But at the end of the day, if you have enough respect, to, to talk these things out, not take things too personally and whatnot and be like, look, you know, we may disagree on what the Falcons should do, who they should sign at the end of the day, but we're all out here trying to support each other. We're all, you know, we all have the same end goal in the, in the end. We want the Falcons to be good and we want to be able to root for our, our favorite football team. So I think, uh, you know, you guys keep doing you and uh, you have my support. 
Absolutely. Thank you, man. Appreciate that, bro. Hey, it was a it was an honor. I tell you that much. <laughs> All right, man. I look forward to the next time you guys have me back on when I can uh, oh, oh, go off on my next one. Oh, oh, oh. we wait for you. We gonna we we gonna have a special theme song for you too when you do. <laughs> All right, man. I got. I appreciate it, guys. You guys have a good night. You too, man. Appreciate you it. too, man. Hey, man. Oh, we can get into the questions now, man. We can get into the questions, man. I hope you guys absolutely enjoyed it. Like I said, man, um, this is just a place. Atlanta Falcon Nation, man, Mike Sports, you know, kicking it with K-Styles, man. Like, this is what we do. We are here to do nothing but, you know, bring everybody together, man, because, look, this is Atlanta Falcons Nation. We are the nation. When you're talking about we, we're talking about the Matt Ryan haters. We're talking about the Matt Ryan supporters, the Michael Vick supporters, the Matt Ryan, uh, the Mike Vick haters. Like, we are all one, all right? We don't have to have the same take. This is what makes Atlanta Falcons Nation so, you know, different from the other. But, uh, K-Style, you want to get into some comments? Is that's oh, okay? Man. Yeah, because I know, I know, I know the people. They've been in here. They they got their conversation going on. Uh, like I said, like I said, we pretty much been seeing Asia Green, Alex, Ed Wilson here, Devon Stanford. <laughs> we got Ricky Fontaine, <laughs> Pretty Ricky, what they called him. Pretty Ricky, what they call them. <laughs> like you said, Miss Maggie T in this thing, Stone Decatur, Concerto Grande. Like I said, we didn't say your name during the interview. Like I said, we were going to show him the proper respect and let him get whatever he had off his chest. Absolutely. So now this part, this part of the show is y'all show. This is where, where y'all come in at. And let's get it, GA. What's happening, homie? Mark. Mark Howard, we appreciate we appreciate the love, homie. Like I said, we just trying to do this thing. We try, we try, try to do it right, man. Try to do it the right way. But um, yeah, like I said, um, pretty much what I've seen so far, more so is everybody kind of talk about um that number four pick and as far as like the quarterbacks and stuff because like i said it was a kind of a, a little bit of a justin fields kind of conversation going on back over right. here but like you say it just comes down to what we've all been saying it's just, it's because we don't know what is going to happen and now that san francisco got that third pick now we really we really about to find out how this draft about to go yeah, I, I like, like honestly, man, this is one of the first times like I absolutely have no idea, and this is the reason why we bring guys on like Aaron Freeman, um, Tory McElhaney, um, just just so many Matt Carroll. Like we bring on these people to kind of get a a feel of what may happen with the Atlanta Falcons, and you know, it, again tonight, it's like it's just when you look at it, the Falcons are just. Like they're, I, I have a feeling that what they're doing with this team is just they're committing to Matt Ryan and they're committing to winning, but they're also building a foundation for the future. It's like we're getting the both the best of both worlds. Like I know a lot of people want to rebuild and they're getting a rebuild. We're getting a rebuild as well as we're trying to win games, and that's the reason why I've said before. It's like. For me personally, I don't give a damn who the quarterback is. Like, I honestly don't give a damn who the quarterback is. 
I don't care if it's Matt Ryan. I don't care if it's Trevor Lawrence. I don't care if it's Justin Fields. I want what's best for this team because one player, as we've seen, even in Matt Ryan's best year, his MVP year, we still lost. Why? Because we didn't have we didn't have we didn't make the best decisions from a coaching staff uh, from a coaching um, perspective. The defense couldn't get any stops in the second half. Like them dudes went like they scored like thirty some points. They scored twenty seven unanswered points in the second half of the game. It was twenty eight three in the third quarter. Twenty eight to three in the third quarter, and they could not stop. They couldn't stop. So this, I don't give a damn who the quarterback is. Like we, we're talking about an MVP, Hall of Future Hall of Famer, and a Hall of Fame receiver on one on one team, and that couldn't get us over the hump. That couldn't get us over the hump. So you got that man. It's like, look, we need to build this team the right way, because obviously having great players is just not enough. Got to have a great team. You got to have a good front office. Got to have a good coaching staff. So. Man. Okay, yeah. I see a couple comments here that I want to gotta chime in on a little bit here. Um here you go, Ricky. Ricky Fontaine, pretty Ricky, what they called him. Pretty Ricky, what they call him. <laughs> said, what? He basically asking if they stayed at four. He said, What are your thoughts if the Falcons stayed at four and traded back to get another first round sitting somewhere between 10 and 20? Knowing it's not the smartest financially, but it could be possible. Like I said, and, and Aaron said it best. This is the draft is unpredictable. Lord have mercy, it is unpredictable. Like I said, Mitchell Trubisky got drafted ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. That yeah. was just four years ago. Yeah. Think about that. Baker Mayfield went number one overall three years ago. Mm-hmm. Like that. And when you got guys like Mel Kuyper Jr., who is overhyping a lot of these players, and it's really and it doesn't really help them, it hurts them. So that's the beauty of the draft. The beauty of the draft is we don't know. Like I said. And we have a regime with Fontenot, Arthur Smith. They're not giving you a game plan. They're not. Right. They're, they're not giving you what they're trying to do. They're basically throwing every scenario out there. So, okay, pick which one you want to roll with. And that's a good one. There, like I said, that that's that's kind of where we have to be at a mindset. We have to be ready for. Anything, anything, right? And that's because that. yeah, because if you're stuck on one idea and then you go, then you penalize the team because it didn't match with your idea. See, mm-hmm. now you're being unrealistic. So we like, like I said, we we right here, like that. We will support Matt Ryan as a quarterback here. If they draft the quarterback with Flo, okay. Whatever that that's the that's the decision they want to go to. Now, if they went to his number four overall pick and they ended up drafting a punter or something, then we really hey, don't don't oh, we don't need we don't need that. We don't no, need that. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. 
you really gonna get a rant in here. You talk about oh man, you talk about crazy yeah. like that. <laughs> okay, hold on. Uh, Tony Wright got a question here for me. I'm gonna let you answer it too. My he said, um, uh, Ryan Kerrigan is available 10 and a half sacks or more this year. He's the third DN in Washington's rotation. He had 5.5 sacks. Should we go after him? Uh, I don't. It sounds good, but that's gonna that, that he's gonna cost you, right? He's gonna cost you because he has those sat numbers. He's an impact player, so I don't think we should sign him. Like I said, you you can get that in the draft. You 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 can get that. You can get that in the draft. That that's right now. This is where, like Mike said, building that foundation through this draft is key number one now. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Mike? I one thing that I've uh, that I've noticed throughout the years is that we've seen more teams often overpaid veteran guys when they could have got the exact same thing in the draft. Um, you got guys like. I mean, let's just look at Dante Fowler, for example. Like, we could have got that bullshit in the draft. Like, we didn't have to pay him <laughs> fucking, what, 40, almost 40 million for that shit. Like, we could have got that bullshit in the damn draft. Like, I, we didn't have to do that. I mean, when he got one, like, one sack or something like that, I forget the sack total, but, like, we could have got that shit. Ooh, ooh, Dante Fowler. He got what one sack, two sacks, or something like that? I think it was like two. I think it was like two sacks. Two and a half sacks or something let, like let that. Me, let me clarify this. You keep going, my I'm gonna go ahead and clarify yeah. it. We could have got that bullshit and damn <laughs> we could have got that bullshit and damn trail. Like we didn't have to pay 30 million for that shit. Like, like shit. come on, let's be real. Shit, you could have went, you could have went to Home Depot and got somebody off the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, you could have <laughs> Smith at the age, what, 40, 50 years old. He could do he could do that bullshit at his age. Like, why? Like, we don't need to pay 30 million for that. So well, like Ma- I don't <laughs> get Michael Strahan's ass off a good point. <laughs> right. We don't need to overpay for that. So it's like, yeah, these names are great and these guys would be exciting, but like, yeah, he got three sacks. I'm saying people saying he got three sacks. Um, but yeah, we'll get the numbers. We'll get the number, but we don't need to pay, you know, five, ten million dollars for a guy like Ryan Kerrigan because of his resume. Like a lot of these guys are being paid because of their resume, not necessarily what they're doing on the field. They are like impact players. So for me personally, we have impact player, we have an uh, eight impact player on the defensive line already in Grady Jarrett. Go ahead. I just found out. Uh, okay, so you know you remember, like you said, about Dante Fowler taking that pay cut, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know they they voided his final year. Yeah, they voided the final year. Yep. Wow. So, no, yeah, he pretty much uh, agreed to take a pay cut so he can become a free agent when it all comes down to it. Like, you either <laughs> – you know, we'll give you something. Three sacks. Wow. <laughs> wow. We could have paid. Look, we could have brought Adrian Claiborne back for $2 million to get three sacks. And we want to we pay him 
thirty for that. Like that's like we just you heard Aaron was talking about that about bringing in role players. We want to pay these role players twenty thirty million dollars just to be role players. Talking about Jamon Brown and James Crawford, we paid those guys over about thirty million dollars to play a role. We got it. That's what the money. Everybody talking about Matt Ryan's contract, you know, Julio contract, Devontae Freeman. The reason why we suck the way we suck is because we gave way too much money to role players like Derek Shelby. This dude got like fifteen million dollars to do nothing. That's it. His name was just on the damn roster. That's it. His name was on the damn depth chart. The dude did nothing. Guys like um, what was the other defensive tackle that we brought in? Um, good God, did absolutely nothing. Like we, we just wasted so many assets with this team. Um, we just paying so much so much money for these guys, and these guys do absolutely nothing. So Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah, he got an impressive resume, but like five and a half sacks, I think you can you can get that from I think you can get that from two or three players and you can pay them less than five million dollars. So I'm not paying five million dollars for one player when I can get three players for five million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like I think that it's more so like Jew always preached this. We gotta have depth on the offensive on the defensive line, and I think where Thomas Dimitrov went wrong is like he wanted superstars all the time. Like sometimes you got to make, let the players become superstars instead of looking for superstars. If you understand what I'm saying, like you got to make these guys like that. You got to make them prove something before you label them a superstar and pay them like superstars. And that's something that we did. We labeled guys superstars and gave them money and when, once we gave them that money, they just stopped playing. But that makes that. But but by you saying that, it just lets you know that he didn't have confidence in his coaching ability to really coach them guys up to be those superstars. Mm-hmm. He was Absolutely, established. And like I said, shout props, shouts out to Maurice Amy for this. He said this was one of his favorite shows from us today. Like I said, we Hi, appreciate. Man. That's that's like I said, man. We are not experts, all right. We do our homework, we do our research, but if we can provide, you know, the 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 platform to bring on, you know, guys like Aaron Freeman, Matt Carley, Tori McElhaney, like, like that's what we're here for. We're here to help inform because we already know that ESPN they may give us goddamn a half a second on on live TV, and that's, that's about it. They'll show the damn school and they'll go to something else. That's pretty much how they treat us. So it's like you don't get this anywhere. And that's, We're talking about Falcons fans from New York to California to Mexico to France to the U.K. Like we don't get a lot of love and respect. So this is what Atlanta Falcons Nation is all about. Hey, here you go right here. Uh, Radiant Media in due time. He said, "Toy last night, Aaron today. Good show, fellas." Hey man, we we appreciate it, man. We definitely appreciate it. Like I said, man, that we we do it for the people. We do it for the people. <laughs> I did it for the I did it for the people. 
We did it for the people. <laughs> hey, y'all probably don't know what the hell we're talking about. We some, yeah, we some wrestling fans, man. We wrestling fans, so that probably go with a lot of people. They know. Okay, we got another question right here. We got a uh, concerto. Concerto Grande said, "How much credit does Dan Quinn get for Grady Jarrett?" You want me to go for that question too? <sighs> I'll say this. When you get into the, the you know the, the bottom half of the fifth round and whatnot, like oftentimes, you know, the fourth and fifth round, you're just looking at guys that are just that good at one thing. And um, like one thing that great uh, uh Dan Quinn has always been good at is finding guys who can play a specific role. And that's just playing that three technique. So it's like, yeah, that's more of his uh, expertise is finding those defensive linemen like a Courtney Upshaw, um, Grady Jarrett, like those type of guys, uh, like Marlon Davidson, I think he's going to be a guy that can play that three tech uh, in the near future as well. Uh, we've never had issues generating pressure from the inside like even when we you know when he first got here like one of the bit the things that he did well as a coach is would generate pressure from the inside he's always been able to do that as a defensive coordinator you go back to the seattle days with michael bennett so it's like i'm not going to say that he didn't you know contribute to that part but like grady jill was a freaking nature it's like you go back and look at his scouting report um they actually had him uh, as a uh, as a second round talent, and rank as a second round talent, but being that he was uh, like he was only six feet, and he was at the time two about two eighty two ninety, he didn't fit the bill for a guy that could, you know, at the time even Aaron Donald like Aaron Donald didn't fit the bill as a true defensive tackle. That's why he fell as low as he did, even though he was one of the you know the most dominant players even in college. Aaron Donald was a beast in college. And you go back to um, his days at Clemson. They said it did. It's like uh, Grady Jarrett was like Vic Beasley was getting all the sacks, but Grady was doing all the dirty work at Clemson. He was the one causing the, the uh, you know, the ruckus in the middle of the field. So, like, I don't want to necessarily say that, you know, Dan Quinn didn't, you know, contribute to that because he obviously knows what he's doing as far as like defensive tackles, um, getting pass rush from the defensive tackles. But Grady Jared is just a damn beast. That's the son of the hammer, man. So you know that dude was bound for greatness. And you say Aaron Donald was a beast in college. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <know>. remind me. <laughs> we know, we know. <laughs> Well, he ate that. He ate that Georgia Tech triple option up like it was some lunchables, boy. I oh like my it. goodness! <laughs> but that's what that's like. You said that's the one thing everybody forget. Aaron Donald's like this big, swole, gargantuan guy, but you got to think he's really undersized. Mm-hmm. He's just powerful as hell. He is. Dude, six foot, two hundred and seventy-six pounds. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. 
Everybody look at him like he's big, but he's just he's short and stout, like the dude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But like like you said, that cat that and that's the difference between Aaron Donald and Grady Jerry is Grady Jerry hasn't came around to finishing plays. Mm-hmm. That's it. Aaron Donald is finishing play. Oh no, they they didn't do him like that. See that that's that's we can't do K style like that. Yeah, how y'all gonna do K style like that? Can't be can't be. You can't do us like that, man. No, but it goes into what we continuously say about um um this just the entire draft itself, like as far as um Grady Jerry as a pass rusher, um they they <laughs> but Grady Jerry as a pass rusher, man. Um like one of the criticism that I always you know, I say as far as Grady Jeff is concerned, it's like he he just he he got to get over that ten sacks. Like he's too damn good to not have ten sacks a season. He like he's consistently in the backfield, and I think that's maybe it has to do with our edge guys not being very good or consistent. Um, like we haven't had any consistency from either of our um our our edge guys, whether it's Vic Beasley or Tack McKinley, and we just haven't had any consistency. So maybe that is a contributing factor of Grady not having double-digit sacks because you got a guy like, you know, actually, you know, Dante Fowler. We saw what Dante Fowler did when he was, you know, right along. So, like, I don't know what the issue is. If we see Grady Jarrett get 10 sacks, Plus this year, that we'll know that it was, it was coaching because we on right now we only got inexperienced defensive ends. We're talking about Marlon Davidson and John Kaminsky. Those are pretty much our guys. Dante Fowler, he's another guy. That's all we got. So if we end up if he end up getting ten sacks this year plus, then we know that Dan Quinn held him back, just with the scheme scheme itself. So. This is an interesting year, and I think this is one of the reasons why the Falcons are not panicking and they're not getting rid of everybody because we don't know what these guys are. We don't know because they played in a bull crap scheme. All they want to do is play damn cover three all freaking day. So that's that's we don't know. I think this is the year, and this is going to see whether we move on from Matt Ryan, uh, we move on from Julio Jones, Gray Jarrett Dion, and start rebuilding. This is the year. If we start off, you know, hot and we continue to do, then we know that this team for sure, for certain. And I don't think anybody can deny the fact if this team has a losing record again, even with the changes, then we know that we need to start rebuilding. I got it. I got some stats here for you. Uh oh, uh oh. Stats. Uh oh. Grady Jarrett in six years, has 26 sacks. Wow. Wow. Aaron, Aaron Donald, in seven years, has 87 sacks. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 see, that's what I'm, 
This man got 87 sacks and golly, like <laughs> that's not even fair, man. That dude is just an absolute animal, man. <laughs> that dude but, is an absolute man, animal. But the thing about Grady J, Grady Jarrett gets backfield pressure just as consistent as him. He just so he can't finish. <laughs> And that and, and like I said, and, and, and Grady's highest sack total he had in a season was seven point five, and that was two years ago. Yeah. Uh man. Okay, here's a question from uh, what's his name? Oh, that's not it. Hey, these things be moving fast, man. Excuse me. Yeah, I know. I know. I my stats taking. Oh, oh, here you go. I, there you go. Do Marlon make a step up this year? Hey, he might as well make a step up. He really didn't play much last year. He didn't Marlon, play worth of crap, man. He didn't play last year. So, like, <laughs> um, I, I, I think he has the ability. He obviously has the ability. I think you playing against a guy, uh, what's his name, Dick Brown? Pan against a guy like Brown, um, yeah. like you got, like he 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 created more havoc, believe it or not, than Brown um, when he was at Auburn. Like he was a man. Like you can ask you, you as an Auburn fan, and like Marlon Davidson was an absolute beast at Auburn. But like again, being in a system where the Falcons. You know, they plan a cover three. It has to be conducive to, you know, everyone. Uh, the, the system has to be conducive to everybody's skill set. Everybody has to kind of, you know, be on one accord. Uh, that their skills complement each other. And I don't think uh, with a, in a Dan Quinn system, him being an edge was just not – we needed pressure. And we need a guy with – you know, a good, a, a, a great get off. And being that Grady Jared is that guy that played that three tech, that position is already locked. And we can't stop the run. We got small linebackers. So you're not going to have two guys that are playing at, you know, Grady Jared is at 300. He kind of, you know, fluctuates from 290 to 300. And you got another guy who's just as small as Grady Jared and Marlon Davidson. So you can't put those guys in the middle of the field, your your damn linebacker is just going to get ate up. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I just – I don't know where you're going to do with Marley Davidson. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Maybe he can be that guy that spells Grady Jared. That's what I'm thinking that'll be his role. But it's going to be difficult to try to see if he's he's an edge guy. He's, he's going to have to um, lose weight in order to play that edge. And I'm saying, like, get back to around 280. I don't think you got to get that light. He probably, I say, maybe like 290, 295. Okay. Yeah, if he can get about that 295, mm-hmm. I think I think he'd like, <clears throat> and he can actually get a full training camp with, because, like I said, you remember. He was hurt coming out the draft. Right, right. Lord have mercy. How many times we done had to How say that? <laughs> <laughs> I 
So, right. Then when he got healthy, he caught COVID. So he missed a few games on that. Got hurt again. So we, mm-hmm. like you said, we like I said we're we're basically gonna be judging him as a as if he was a rookie this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rodney Brown made this point right here, and I've been saying this all. Matt Schaub got paid bank to hand Ryan the clipboard with no, and that's oh man, and that's what I mean. That's that's what I'm not saying that Ryan Kerrigan is a bad player, but I'm tired of playing these damn players all this like we're we're breaking in quality players and they're like barely doing it like they doing crap for this team paying them all this money not to do anything like we i'm so sick of like i'm so tired of paying guys and they're doing like absolutely nothing i don't know why we bring in it's like we drafting guys like Dennis and not third overall pick like if we were going to do that we should have just traded the damn third like we should have third traded that third round to move up in the draft for a guy that you know is going to get playing time it's like we're just wasting picks we're wasting money and like i'm just done with you know bringing in guys like ryan kerrigan like yeah he's had some some success and he has an impressive resume he has an impressive skill set but if i can if he's going to give me five sacks and he's not going to be an impact player man i'm tired of like i'm to the point where i'm tired of paying you know someone else's trash to come here and i can just develop i would much rather develop my talent than continuously paying all these free agents to come in and do absolutely Deadly squad to give us three freaking sacks or five freaking sacks. We don't gave this man thirty million dollars just to give us three sacks, five sacks. <laughs> I'm tired of that. <laughs> not, not, not three sacks in one game. Three not, sacks a whole. Three sacks <laughs> in five game span. Three sacks in a season and wait in a, a season. It, they said it's hold on. I, I just seen something that I don't know if you saw my face, but I think I saw something that kind of threw me off guard here. Mm-hmm. They talk about the Buccaneers are looking to get Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald, <laughs> they trying to become the damn New England Patriots. Not, not even New England Patriots. Who they trying to be with all them old ass, like them old ass men on that damn team? <laughs> the the O2 Raiders. Yeah, damn O2 Raiders, all them old ass, but like look, that man gonna get y'all. Look, y'all win one damn Super Bowl, and I could easily say that shit was fixed too with that bullshit ass damn NFC championship where they calling flag. Look, the whole first half of the game was good, and then the second half of the damn game, they want to goddamn throw flag after flag after flag after flag. Like, bro, they, they went crazy berserk. <laughs> that man got the Super Bowl. Like, man, get out of here with that bull crap. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's so crazy. And I just saw something here. I don't know if it's true or not, but I guess apparently they talk about Pittsburgh might be getting Antonio Brown back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how for sure this what? is. <laughs> Why? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. This is crazy. 
What the hell? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm looking like y'all did all of that just to bring him back, man. Excuse me. I, I, I hope it ain't. I, this is like, I hope it ain't true, boy. Because that is true. I did bro. all that just to bring him back, man. That look. I was just hope. Lord have mercy. I hope that's not. I guess. I guess after um Chase Claypool got in that bar fight, I think they they looking for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and they found out Juju Smith Schuster ain't nothing but a three a three at best. Yo, and, and you know it's crazy, man. They sent him out. They sent him out. Like they got rid of Antonio Brown to hand Juju the keys to the offense only to get rid of him the following. Like, what the hell? Pittsburgh, I don't look, I, I don't know. I don't know what they doing. Maybe it's Ben Roethlisberger got way too much power, or they just getting old up there. But they that damn franchise is, yeah. I don't know what's going on. That like I, that that makes absolutely no sense. But that, there's another story talking about it. Like I said, Juju and T. Y. Hilton turned down Ravens offers, and I guess somebody asking the question: Why is all these receivers turning down Baltimore? Because you're not finna get no shine in that offense. No, you ain't getting no. Yeah, you ain't getting no shine in that offense. That's what we're talking about. If the Falcons offered those guys money, man, they would be here in a heartbeat because they know they're going to catch the ball. And a lot of receivers just divas, man. Let's just be honest. A lot of these damn receivers, they divas, and they want the ball. So, and they know they get paid by their numbers. And, you know, you go to to the Ravens, you know you ain't going to get no numbers. Let's see. Let's see what other questions. I, I saw a couple questions up here too. Um, I gotta get back to it. Um, yeah, everybody, everybody looking like Fish, really Fish Gerald. Gerald, man. <laughs> I like goddamn. I like hold uh, on. all the people you bring like him old behind. Let that man retire. Sit your ass down. All your old ass ankles hurt. Damn. I'm gonna hit Nathan Nathan up on this one. He said, "Matt Ryan doesn't get hurt. Should we still play the backup?" I don't get the clipboard statement. No, basically, <laughs> what they saying as far as the backup part of it is, Matt Schaub has averaged making almost ten to twelve million dollars a year holding the clipboard. That's a budding joke, yeah. Um, Waste of money. Right. Instead, instead of like I said, I understand as a veteran, he's a veteran. He's been in the league a long time, so he kind of see things on another scale. Like I said, and I guarantee you this: within five years, you're gonna see Matt Schaub's name come up in a coaching position. Mm-hmm. Um, I can but, see that. But that was like one of those cases where you, it, like, as a backup quarterback. You could still have Shaw, but you still want that other quarterback that you wanted to groom, like Kirk Ben Kirk. I I think that was the one they was trying to groom, but the issue mm-hmm. was he kept getting hurt, and Danny Edling they didn't give him a chance at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So <laughs> that's how that's how it goes with that one. <clears throat> Boom. 
Is that hit Boomer Falcon said we don't have the cap to hire a new quarterback? <laughs> wow. Man, look. All right, look, you ain't got a high, look, we're talking about a backup quarterback. Most of those guys won't see the damn field. Exactly. Right. Most of those guys will not see the field. So why pay a guy five million dollars just to sit behind you know a quarterback like Matt Ryan or whomever? Why pay them all that money just to sit behind them? Like they just gave they gave Jameis Winston two million dollars to sit behind Drew Brees. Why the hell are we giving them five million dollars just to sit behind Matt Ryan? Like that's overpaying, and that's what I'm talking about. Like with Thomas Dimitrov, he overpaid for crap for crap players. These players are not giving us any production. They're not playing, so you just wasted. You know, an extra what three million you overpaid for you or you gave them an extra three million just to sit behind Matt Ryan. That's it. He's never gonna see the field, but you paying him five million dollars just to see, and then you complain about not being able to get this guy, and you could have gave that the, the other guy an extra three million dollars, but you gave that three million, you gave five million dollars too. A guy like Matt Shaw—that's yeah, just not smart money. Yeah, remember, they gave up paying Patrick Demarco to pay uh-huh. Matt Shaw the same money that Demarco wanted. Uh-huh. Just they another dumb, but, another yeah. dumb decision by Thomas Dimitrov. He made so many dumbass damn decisions. Like good gracious, is that? All right, Mike, I want you to hit this one up right here. Ghost Pepper said, how badly do y'all think the Denver Broncos will want the number four pick from us? I mean, as long as them, as long as John Elway's running running things, like, he going to look at it. I, the thing I think was wrong with um, Denver is just, like, sometimes former players make the worst coaches or scouts because they look at everybody like them. Like everybody ain't damn John Elway. Exactly. It's like they not they didn't even get a dude like a real shot if you really want to look at it. Like they want a quarterback that's on immediately get them to the Super Bowl and you're not really giving um Drew Locke like the right weapons. You're giving him a good defense but he don't really have any weapons on the offense side of the ball. So like is he really you know that bad I don't think he is, but I don't think like I don't think he's that good, but I don't think he's that bad. Like I, you giving up on him. I, I think they just looking for somebody to be out the gate a special quarterback. And that's 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 my issue. And being that you know they're looking for a guy to be special, they're willing to try to trade up to that position to get somebody like a Mac Jones. I, I, at this point in time, if the rumors are true, when they're talking about D-Led, uh, they're expecting Lawrence to go one, Zach Wilson to go two, and Fields to go three, then that fight for Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance, is that that right there is going to be a heated. Like, like people are going to be willing to um, give up everything, to be honest, to move up that spot if they believe in those guys. So it's like, Maybe. I don't know. It just depends on how bad they want it. I'm yeah. not sure. 
Yeah, but you know what I you know what I said about that San Francisco pick, and I'm thinking outside the box, and mm-hmm. I might be the only one to think this, but the people saying that it'll be most likely a quarterback. I think they mm-hmm. might make a run at Penny Sewell. Hey, look, they want Justin, a- yeah, mm-hmm. or Kyle Pitts, and so they were saying in the chat earlier. Or mm-hmm. Cal, like you said, the the evil the evil empire Cal Shanahan might <laughs> he might just do something just to be a butthole. I'm gonna take the best one just to be a butthole. That's how they that's how they did it. That's how they did with Javon Kinlaw because we was expected to get. Yo, Kinlaw. I was so mad when that happened. I said, "You mother, you I was mad as hell when that happened. And he does stuff like that, like they do, yeah. like they do it like that. So, like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't trust Kyle Shanahan, man. I don't uh, trust that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, prove it said Jacoby Brissett, let's go. Uh, I'm about to say, um, uh, Jacoby Brissett's in Miami now, so that dream is <laughs> that dream got killed. <laughs> <But> that's what, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. who I was wanted as a backup with Jacoby Brissett, but he in Miami now. Um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Quint Will said we let DeMarco go for all pro Keith Smith. No, not for Keith Smith. We let DeMarco go for Ricky Ortiz. Ricky Ortiz. <laughs> Ricky Ortiz, okay? Yeah. We're not talking about Ortiz. We're talking about Rico Ricky Ortiz. Like, good God Almighty. Never even oh. really heard of that dude like that. And we end up giving away a pro bowl for that. Right. Oh, he was asking what five million dollars or something like that. He wasn't even asking for much. It was like it. He, he yeah, he wanted he wanted like three years, like 12 million. They didn't mm-hmm. even want to pay him that. Hold on. Uh I want let let's go ahead and get that right there. Is there a bit by the receiver we could use like? Oh, there's a big body that you could draft it this year, and that's TJ Vasher. <laughs> yeah, Vasher is a damn monster, man. Uh, <laughs> TJ Vasher is a beast. That's- I don't, I don't, I don't want a big body receiver. Like we got big bodies, I'm not worried about big bodies. Um, I, I, I always said that we need somebody with, you know, that that lateral quickness we got guys that are you know they got straight line speed but we don't have a lot of guys with lateral quickness that are quick you know what i'm saying they can they can break defenders down like that's why i say a guy like jay and waddle man like waddle is that perfect like he he'll bring that perfect balance to what this offense needs we got guys with straight line speed we got guys with power we got guys like Calvin Riddler who can run any route, but Jalen Waddle, you put the ball in his hand in the open field, like this dude can take it to the house at any given time. He got that type of talent. He reminds me of a lot like um, you know, Tyreek Hill. He got he has that type of speed and that type of quickness. You put him alongside Julio in the middle of the field, and you gotta double those guys, and you just leave him in the middle one-on-one with a linebacker or a safety. He gonna murk them dudes, man. So like that's what I believe that the Falcons need. Uh, 
I like this question here. Antonio Holloway said, who do y'all think is the most underrated Falcons player in team history? Ooh. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of them. (sighs) I would. You said one of the most underrated players. I got one for you right now. Terrence Mathis. Oh, yeah. I was going there, too. I was going there too. They like say you got Terrence Mathis, Allen Rossum. I'm just going off the of players that I've seen that right. nobody talks about. Like I said, Patrick DeMarco. Like I said, we just talked about him. Um, one of my personal favorites, Bob Christian. Yeah, I'm a fullback junkie, so yeah, Bob Christian yeah. very underrated. Jonathan Babineau is another one. Yeah, I'll say this one. Like he don't get a lot of credit, but it was like I was looking at his stats. Um and a lot of people probably don't know who the hell this guy is. But if you go back and look at his stats, man, he was he was a damn good pass rusher from the inside. And Rod Coleman is one of the most underrated oh, well, uh, Rod Coleman is an absolute beast. And when you look at his numbers next to Warren Sapp, who's a Hall of Famer, like how the hell he's not even getting consideration for a Hall of Fame, and his numbers are damn near identical to Warren Sapp. Like he doesn't get any respect. So that, like that guy, he's definitely one of the most underrated Falcons um, in history. Like even the Falcons don't really give him, uh, show him any type of love. Like nobody says anything about Rod Coleman. Everybody bring up Johnny Abraham, Chuck Smith, but you look at Rod Coleman, that dude wreaked havoc for us for a long time. Rod Coleman was Grady Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Grady Jarrett before Grady Jarrett. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That was one of my favorite Falcons for a long time was mm-hmm. Rod Coleman. Um, let's see. Who else Who else I can put up there? Okay, Algie Crumpler gets his love, so can't put him yeah. in. Yeah. Damn. Probably pretty much named all of them. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty yeah, much. Cool. Oh, Ovi Mahaley. <laughs> yeah, you know, Ovi. Yeah. They don't get no love like that. Not love like that. And they are a vital part of football. Like, it, that's why it's starting to come back because all of these spread offenses and whatnot, you got to have a. a, a a fullback that's going to be have the ability to not only block, but he got to catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, I ain't, I ain't see, I haven't seen no damn Claude Humphrey. I've never seen Claude Humphrey, so I can't speak on Claude Humphrey. <laughs> the Falcons. Don Lovato. Ha, 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 ha. The Falcons are sorry. Uh, yeah, I think we know that. That's why we went four and twelve. You dumb motherfucker. My bad. I, mm. Yeah, I remember Anton Anton uh, Smith. That was another guy that I like. Um, uh, shoot, there's so many. There really so many. Jacquees is the guy that was pretty good. Um. Damn, anybody got it? yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't see 
I didn't see uh Chad Lavale. Oh, I haven't seen that name in a while. Yeah, I haven't seen Chad Lavale. That that name, I haven't seen that name in a minute, man. Wait a minute. Did, did, did I just Joe Horn, he was a pretty good one up, but he kind of came at the end of his career and helped really teach Roddy how to be a professional. And that's kind of what where Roddy um kind of turned the corner when Joe Horn came on. So Gotta get Joe, Joe Horn. Hey, we might end, but had an opportunity to draft his son. We don't know. JC Horn, man, like we we like that's a possibility he can be in North Falcon. So yeah, man, it's it's so many underrated players. Like I like even this player, like a lot of people probably say it's like under 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 uh underrated, but Jesse Tuggle, man, Jesse Tuggle don't get enough credit. Like he's one of those. He's like one of the greatest, the hammer. All right, is no, it like like when you look at Grady Jarrett, man, like that's 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 pops. That's why he's so damn good. Well, he is that that DNA, man. Look, that dude was an absolute monster. That dude was a beast. Like almost two hundred tackles. Like that dude was getting two hundred tackles. Like it was nothing. <laughs> he was doing that like nothing, bro. But like that dude was everything. He was good as a – he was a complete linebacker. He was good in coverage, and he was great in the run game. So, like, Jesse Tucker don't get any respect, man. They don't even bring his name up. They want to bring up Brian Erlacher. You put him in – you put him with that damn defensive line that they had in Chicago, Jesse Tucker would be damn just as good. Jesse Tucker don't get enough respect. And you have to remember, Jesse Tuggle was an undersized middle linebacker mm -hmm. at a time where the average linebacker was 250 pounds. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> 18 Ashton said, uh, I hope Kyle Shanahan didn't jump us to take Kyle Pitts. We said, we won't be surprised. <laughs> hey man, like I said, that dude, I don't like him, man. Like I don't trust that dude, and I, I like I don't trust Kyle Shanahan, and and quite honestly, man, like I said, man, he did us like that last year with Ken Law. They knew what the hell they were doing when they did that, and if <laughs> they do that, like if they did, if that happens again, when they turn around and take Kyle Pitts, I'm gonna be mad as hell. I'm gonna be mad as hell, like seriously. Man, like I said, this was a very eventful show tonight. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, we got good information. Like I said, we chopped it up with Aaron Freeman. Man, and absolutely. Like I said, it was good to hear another for y'all to hear another perspective outside mm -hmm. of us. Cause I know half the time y'all tired of looking at us talking about <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so I guess we can go ahead and plug <clears throat> away. Make sure y'all thumbs up the video. Make sure y'all follow Absolutely, man. Nation. Make sure you follow Mad Mike Sports, Mad Mike mm -hmm. Network, the Just K Style channel. Um, mm -hmm. I'm slowly creeping up. I'm now up up to needing about 778 people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, Don, Don Lovato, we appreciate you, man. Shoot. Yeah, man, we definitely appreciate it, man. Hit that subscribe button, man. You got people, you know, that's just love. You know, just share it with the people, man. Just tell them, like, you don't have to be a Falcons fan just to come in. You can be a Saints fan. It doesn't mean Bucks fan. We we welcome all Dallas Cowboy fans. If you just love the show and just love the information that we, you know, provide, but you just love us, just <laughs> you think we just hilarious and we entertaining, just go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I appreciate it, man. Like, I truly do. Wait a minute. Hold on. Look, 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 look. He said, <laughs> wait. You see that? You know, they ain't get them in a while. He's, he's, I can't wait till we get more. Power. Oh, the power toaster wood. Oh, man. <laughs> we haven't done that one in a minute. I know it's been it's, it's, the, the, the off season. The off season's been long. Yeah, it's kind of we'll, we'll, yeah, we kind of say that for the season, but unless somebody do or, something really or, dumb, or we might do the powder toast, we might let y'all vote to see who get the ultimate powder toast for the 2020 season. Oh, that's that's new. Ooh, we might let y'all do that. Like I said, y'all hey. make sure y'all leave comments and stuff. Not only here, videos, yeah. but in the Discord as well. Like I said, mm -hmm. if, like I said, y'all leave y'all leave y'all votes down there. We can do a, a, a the ultimate powder toast award show for who y'all vote. Mm -hmm. you know? And like I said. Hey, got to give y'all what y'all want. And who the hell brought up Peerless Price name? Hey, man, we don't use that name right here. <laughs> we don't use that name right here. Not no damn Peerless Price. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like Whoa, said, but like, but like I said, um, one of these shows. On one of these shows. Hold on, wait a minute, Nathan. Nathan, good game. So said, case that if you guys don't. <laughs> oh, is it? If you show same live video, you might get more followers. But everyone goes to Mike because more people to chat. Hey, that could be that way. It's time, man. Give it time, man. This man just really started, man. I, look, everybody look at everybody look at you know the channel being at five. But like a lot of people don't know, man. I've been doing this. For three almost uh two about, about two and a half years, man. So it's been a grind. So man, look, it's that's look, I got a second channel. That that second channel, Mad Mike Network is still sitting at 124 subscribers. So you gotta start from somewhere, man. It's a it's an absolute grind. And like I said, with Aaron Freeman, Aaron Freeman been doing this for years. Um, way longer than I do it, almost almost ten years, and he finally started to really start making money at this. So like this, this is this is a grind. You got to pay your dues. You got to love it. You got to have a passion. And like I said, man, this is this is this is an absolute grind. So we definitely appreciate everybody for. <laughs> and what I tell Nathan, Nathan too is, this this is not gonna be the only only show. Oh I yeah. I, mm -hmm. I have another one in plan, and that one's gonna be specifically mm -hmm. just on. Yeah, I love channel. that one, bro. That channel, that show is gonna be Falcon football too, but mm -hmm. we're talking about all sports, mm -hmm. all what's going around, like everything, yeah. MLB, um, MLS, um, whatever goofy ass shit y'all done seen <laughs> online, whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. So we gonna so we're gonna have two shows. I'm, I'm gonna have two shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just gotta work out what days y'all we gonna do it. But right. The reason why I do this show on my show too, because like I said, I'm trying to get more people to watch me. Like I said, get everybody used to me. Mm-hmm. Oh no, 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 bro! You ain't pissed nobody off, cause I know at the end of the day, I was surprised I got as many subscribers as I got now. <laughs> He's not lying, but he's not lying when he say that. He's not lying. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm shocked because. It took us a while to kind of get him on it. It, it really yeah. took us a minute to get him. <laughs> we talk about it all the time. Cause, cause I, cause I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell it to you like this. Me doing this stuff, me doing this online and stuff like this. This is not me. Like I said, this is a whole new thing for me. This is, like I said, most of the time, you won't catch me in front of no camera doing this. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, he's not at all. Not at all. But nope. like I said, like I said, we're definitely going to like I said, we got kicking it with K Styles on Mondays. Like I said, that's the Atlanta Falcon Nation edition. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have kicking it with K Styles too. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be for everything else. Right. So, like I said, hey. Hey, I, at the end of the day, I love this. They, they, like I said, everybody mm-hmm. that's in this chat, Mike, Maggie, like I said, Jew, J-Rock, everybody has brought something out different in me that I didn't know I had. Absolutely, man. And I'm sitting here with you, terrible hairline and all. You see that? <laughs> I got, I got the crouching tiger hidden dragon hairline out for y'all. So y'all. Y'all see that. But like I said, y'all make sure y'all follow Atlanta Falcon Nation. Definitely, we are almost to a thousand. We trying to get it. Absolutely, man. And like I said, check that out. Like I said, Atlanta Falcon Nation, like like we always say, and I always say this, it's not just us up here talking. It's everybody that watches. It's everybody that shares these videos. It's everybody that likes it. Don't matter what fan of a team you are. Mm-hmm. If you rock with us, you part of the family. Absolutely. And hey, I'm gonna just go ahead and leave it in there. Hey man, that's it. That's it, man. That's really it. So, like I said, man, y'all continue to support us. Head over to Atlanta Falcon Basin. Um, to help us get to 1k and k styles, you ain't gotta go home, but you gotta get the hell up out of here. Peace. <laughs> Peace.